Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of podcast I'm going to call Dear America. And thank you all for listening. Um, just to give you a little bit of background on this idea, uh, my grandma and grandpa were both World War II veterans. Both of them served in the United States Navy. Uh, my grandpa passed when I was probably six or seven-ish years old. Uh, my grandma passed when I was in high school. Um, and shortly thereafter, I realized I never took the time to ask them about their time or experience serving in the Navy during World War II. And um, about sophomore, junior year, my grandma was supposed to come to down to one of my history classes, and she was going to talk to us about what it was like serving in the Navy and what it was like being a member of the Waves. However, uh, a couple weeks later, she was diagnosed with cancer had surgery, and shortly thereafter, she passed away. Uh, it wasn't really until after I graduated I started having friends of mine that joined the military, and um, I kind of, it really dawned on me, you know, what it was like knowing somebody that was actually serving overseas. that took away that romanticized idea of war that kind of Hollywood painted, Um and as they came back uh, and started talking to them, that history buffed me, the history nerd, uh, really wanted to just ask every question under the sun, but I knew it wasn't the right thing to do and um, started to begin to chew on this idea of mine of, you know, I would interview them and ask them questions uh, about what it was like over there, and I wanted to take those interviews, transpose them into a letter-like format, and one day uh, publish that into a book. And so folks like me who had never served or had family members that did that didn't really know what happened uh, could kind of get the best understanding that we could. Uh, last year, year and a half ago or so, uh, started listening to another podcast called Hardcore History by Dan Carlin and his series uh called blueprint for armageddon which focuses on world war one where he's pulling from dis different historical uh references and then also letters and memoirs of people that survived and were killed during world war one kind of spawned the idea of me doing a podcast on this and i pitched the idea to my own producer casey who is kind enough to be here tonight for his fourth or fifth show something like that uh, fourth show <laughs> out of five and has put up with me bringing in a new microphone and doing sound check on that uh, because he's my favorite <laughs> and um, I, I pitch it to him and I pitch it to my co-host Ben from Rules of the Arena and uh, as a podcast idea I repitch the idea to several friends of mine and people I've known that have served over the years including my friend Steve who We've known uh, each other for, God, fuck, 18 years now. 18 years. <laughs> um, Too fucking long. And the overwhelming major majority of veterans have said, yes, you absolutely need to do this idea. I have had a few people said, no, I have no interest in, in talking about it, and I, I absolutely respect that. There's no nothing wrong with that. Um, like I said, I'm not doing this to gain personal recognition. I'm not trying to make money off this episode. It's simply because I think there are so many stories out there that have not been told um, that were glossed over by Hollywood over the years. I mean, everybody's seen Saving Private Ryan, uh, Band of Brothers, The Pacific. I mean, those are great stories to tell, uh, but there's a lot out there that don't make a great movie. 
um, but I believe that still deserve to be told. And uh, that's why we, uh, Steve is kind enough to be here tonight as my guinea pig. Uh, bear with us over the series. It could go absolutely wonderful. It could be the next big thing, or it's going to be an absolute fucking train wreck. <laughs> there's no money. There's nothing really in between. Um, so, like I said, uh, I wanted to talk to people that have served in the military and really get their story from the day that they talked to their recruiter to the day that they came home and you know either retired or took this to uh, you know. Um, I guess, uh, in-country position, if you will. Or I, I'm sure there's a better word for that, Steve. So thank you again for coming down tonight. Happy to be here, Gordon. Um, so, Steve, again, like I said, you know, from the day you met the recruiter, I know, you know, I've known your, your your personal story and everything, but I, um, so what made you want to go and talk to a recruiter, to a recruiter in this case, to sign up for the United States Army? Uh, well, I failed spectacularly in my first attempt at college, so that really helped. <laughs> um, no, like I kind of, uh, growing up, like you said, I kind of had a romanticized idea of what uh, war was like, and from a young age, and like, oh man, I want to do that. And, you know, it didn't didn't help having a having my dad like beating into me that you know that's like the true test of what a man is, and I learned a little too late that that's that's not really the case, but. Um, yeah, so I always kind of wanted to, uh, always kind of wanted to serve. Um, I did the ROTC, ROTC thing in college. Uh, like I said, I kind of crashed and burned my third year, so I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll, uh, I'll enlist. And so for someone, okay, I'm, I'm a sophomore, junior in high school, and I want to join the military. You know, what route do I take? to contact or find a recruiter. I mean, do you go on, I suppose nowadays you can just go online. And yeah, you just it, find them online. Um, hey, how hard is it from there? I mean, what kind of steps are you looking at as a kid that has so, zero background in the situation? So mo- most most things in the Army are really, really fucking tedious and long and overdone. It's going to take you days to get it done, but the one thing that they can do- get done real quick <laughs> is getting you signed up. Um, yeah, like the, I mean, first thing I did is I went in, um, Talk to a recruiter, fill out some bullshit paperwork, and then they they sent me over to Fort Snelling. Um, it's called Maps. Anyone who served knows what it is. It's a nightmare. It's like all your introductory uh, medical tests, um, a bunch of more bullshit paperwork. But if you're ever driving by Fort Snelling, you see this huge like cube-shaped gray building. That's Maps. I fucking hate that place. <laughs> what you, what do you call it when you first came back? Um, I, what uh, was it? The White Undie Parade or something like that? The, no, was that like, later down the road? That, I mean, that's that's later down the road. Down the road, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, went went through that. Took the ASVAB, um, killed the ASVAB. Uh, pretty much qualified for any job in the army. They offered me cryptologic linguist with an $18,000 bonus. And I like a dumbass and like, no, I want to be frontline infantry. That sounds cool. And my recruiter did nothing to talk me out of that. So fuck that guy. <laughs> Is there a bonus incentive on their side for that? Or just, no, just no. Somebody upstairs saying we need to hit these numbers, blah, blah, blah. No, like it really doesn't matter like what they get people to sign up for. It's just that they sign up. So I feel like he could have talked me out of it, and he just didn't. He was just lazy. He was pretty lazy. So, and from Meps, where did you go from there? 
I mean, I, I did that in, I think, August of 2010. So and I sat around for like five months waiting for a ship date. So worked some part-time jobs, played a lot of World of Warcraft, which, you know, that might have had something to do with me failing spectacularly at college. Who knows? Might be a correlation there. <laughs> Yeah, that's you remember story. that. Oh, you, yeah. you remember yeah, those yeah, days. Yes, yeah, that's story for another show. Yeah. Um, and then once you got your ship out date, you go to basic, correct? Is that what's called? I get yelled yeah, at. Yeah, ba- um, Army, it's basic training. Now, uh, Marines and Navy, it's it's called boot camp. Boot camp, so, yeah. yeah. I, oh, I got an earful from my sister for that one. <laughs> uh, at basic, you know, what was it like for you down there? I mean, what was... I mean we... we showed up um would have been early january 2011 so it was it was cold for down there which uh um, infantry goes to fort benning georgia so cold's like 25 degrees 30 degrees uh, beach weather for wisconsin we got like we had like 10 days of in-processing which first couple days i was confused and i thought it was basic training i'm like no oh, this is this is pretty fucking easy like nobody's really yelling at me I'm like yeah they, they, i figured that out real quick that uh <laughs> That wasn't the real thing. That was just in processing. Um, we got like half an inch of snow and people lost their fucking minds. Like whole base was shut down for an entire day. We couldn't do anything because half an inch of snow. <laughs> for for the rest of what's in what's in processing? It's just like um, more like going through maps. It's like a lot of paperwork, physicals, uh, a lot of standing in line. A lot of standing in line. <laughs> um, and then once they... Once they get everything done, they get your military ID. Um, they everyone gets assigned to usually, well, usually everyone in one group gets assigned to one company. Um, they call it downrange, which is just you know actual basic training. Um, and then your uh, drill sergeants show up, uh, take you in on a bus, and uh, yeah, the second you step off that bus, you're getting screamed at. So <laughs> it's a good time. So take us through basic training day by day as best you can. So uh, and you'll hear a lot of veterans say that it's gotten easier, which it has, but um, that wasn't my experience. So <laughs> my, uh, my, senior, my senior drill sergeant, his name was uh, Conrad Kaluzny, which is like the most Russian-sounding name ever. First time he yelled at me was in Russian, which is, which is fucking terrifying. I don't know if you've ever been yelled at in Russian, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty goddamn intimidating. <laughs> Um, this, this dude's about six, four, um, probably went like mid, mid two hundreds weight wise. I mean, he was built, um, and he had a grin, like a goddamn velociraptor. Like he, he wasn't like a traditional, like you see movies and they're always like screaming and shit, but he was like, when he was really mad, he'd just smile at you and you, you knew you were fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he was, uh, he was intense about half of our, uh, about half of our, uh, class washed out. Um, whether it was like medical discharges, uh, they just said, I don't want to be here anymore. Cause he was really good about like, Hey, if you don't want to be here, just tell me and you're going the fuck home, which, which I agree with. I think, uh, nowadays they've like, they're so big on numbers that they're keeping people they shouldn't be keeping. Um, but he, he was re- real good at driving people out. <laughs> no, so. I, I, now I, as a civilian, I thought I was, it, I was always under the understanding, um, you know, once you sign that piece of paper, you're in. You know, for your contract, there's no getting out. So it's, they call it a refusal to train and they chapter you out under, I, I forget what article it is now, um, but it's it's in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is like law for, for the military. And um, they basically get a general discharge, which 
isn't great. Um, it's not an honor. It's like between an honorable and a dishonorable, I guess. I mean, you can get a change to honorable later, but um, that's about a solid six months of uh, you not being able to get a job with a general discharge. So, and that might that might have changed, but that uh, yeah, it it. <laughs> It definitely wasn't a good route for them to go, but they just didn't want to be there anymore. What was it like then? You know, so obviously you made it through that part, and you're in your yeah. everyday day to day basic. Uh, what's it like from there on out? Like after basic? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, from through basic. I mean, through to, basic. You've told me off air you know, first, over the years a few stories. First that I, three I've, weeks, um, you're just getting screamed at and smoked, which smoked is army jargon for. Uh, you know, doing some sort of physical activity that uh, uh, is kicking your ass. So um, Kaluzny was real fond of uh, mountain climbers. Those were his favorite, um, which I don't know if you've ever done mountain climbers for like two hours straight, but it's it's uh, exhausting. It's like that uh, uh, you could tell back in high school, his uh, Spider-Man nonsense during the, the warm-up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. If I remember that. like yeah. that, then. <laughs> No, that was like that, but just keep doing it on repeat. Like, he uh, he came in one morning. I don't remember what happened. I think someone had fallen asleep on guard or some shit. It was like 4 in the morning, wakes everyone up. He's got us doing mountain climbers, and he gets a phone call. And I don't know if he staged this or not. Um, either way, it, it had the desired effect on us. Um, he gets a phone call. He tells us, you know, stop. Stop doing mountain climbers. He picks it up. He's like, oh, Gail, good morning, Sergeant Major. Like, our, uh, just a little bit of background. Our company was right next to the uh, battalion building. So a lot of times they, they could hear if something really intense was going on, they could hear it in battalion. So our Sergeant Major must have been in early that day. He goes, yeah, good morning, Sergeant Major. No, no, I'm not making my uh, company do mountain climbers at four in the morning. Yeah, yeah, Ro- Roger, Sergeant Major. Hangs up and he goes, go back to doing fucking mountain climbers. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been really funny if, you know, I wasn't getting my ass kicked at the time, but <laughs> that dude was something else. Um, and that was yeah. the first three weeks, you said? Um, it's supposed to be the first three weeks, and then they're supposed to kind of ease off of you. Uh, that didn't really happen. But in reality, what was it like after that? Um, well, it's just less of them there. Because, <laughs> like, they honestly, like, uh, one thing I came to appreciate being there and kind of like you, you kind of get self-centered You're like, you know, poor me. I'm getting my ass kicked all the time. And like eventually you get past that point. There's kind of a hump where like you really don't want to fucking be there. And then you kind of you kind of hit this this hump where all of a sudden you're like, this isn't so bad. I can get through this. Um, and I think after I hit that, like looking around, I'm like, you know what? They got it way worse than we do. They got to be here every fucking day uh, of every day of the week. They're not with their families. They're here like 20 hours a day. Like, when do these guys sleep? So um, after the first three weeks, they start to eat, like ease off. And there's like usually one or two at a time. But, you know, anytime he was on, he'd just fuck with us the entire time he was there. <laughs> <laughs> Made us take all of our wall lockers and all of our bunks from the top floor. because We were on the second floor of the company. Move them all down into the like the company. uh um, gathering area and set it up exactly how our bay was all of our fucking heavy ass wall lockers which there were like 60 63 of i think all the bunks yeah and then after we set it up he took a picture and he's like great now put it back it was like a 10 hour event and that was that was a saturday because he was bored <laughs> a kid went a wall during that what's uh, in layman's terms what's a wall uh absent without leave it means he uh he just said fuck this and ran <laughs> Took a taxi, uh, 
took a taxi off post, and they found him like a month and a half later in Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Brought him right back. (laughs) (laughs) And for someone that goes AWOL during basic, I mean, are you basically, you know, if you left on Thursday, you start right back up on whatever Friday was? I mean, most of them will get like, like, chaptered out they'll get kicked out under like other than honorable or general conditions um which isn't going to be great for them but they'll uh they'll drag their feet doing that paperwork and they'll make them sit there and clean and get get screamed at for weeks on end before they kick them out (laughs) they they (laughs) we had like three or four go awol and they uh they definitely paid for it (laughs) oh yeah i can't remember if he was you or zach uh that had sergeant fish killer Mm, no, that was, that was that Zach. was Zach. Okay, that was Zach. I had uh, I had a few special privates work for me, at the time, <laughs> but that that was his. <laughs> um, going into basic, I mean, is there anything that really sticks out? I mean, that of course, you know, like I said in the intro, uh, there's all those movies. They have that, you know, insert Rocky music training montage here of what's going on. But I mean, is there really anything that's going on? In reality, that Hollywood kind of skips over. Um, I mean, they they definitely don't train you nearly as well as uh, Hollywood likes to make it seem. Um, it's kind of like they give you the bare bones, and you're just expected to uh, to kind of fill it in at that point. Like when you get to your first unit, like they're they're expected to kind of bring you up to speed, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. So then, hang on one second. Wasn't quite fast enough. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, like when I, once I got done uh, with basic training, I had like two weeks off. Um, got to come home, spend spend some time with my wife, and then immediately went down to El Paso. Right, and then, like when I went down there, like I kind of had an idea in my head of how things were gonna go, like, like I'm gonna, you know, get settled in with my new unit. Um, I'm gonna, you know, be here for a couple months. I'm gonna get some leave. I'm gonna go home, um, get my wife, like find, like find an apartment. Like I had this huge plan set up, and then <laughs> I get there, and they're like, "Hey, welcome to First uh, Battalion, 41st Infantry Regiment. We're going to Afghanistan in three weeks." Like, oh. Fuck me. <laughs> so what was what was going through your head when you got that announcement? Um, honestly, that was that was terrifying. Like coming out of basic training, I didn't fucking know anyone in the platoon. Um, I, I I knew no one. I, um, I didn't know how they did things. Like everywhere in the army is different. Um, they have their own um, standard operating procedures, SOPs, their own way of doing things. They're their own like tight knit community, and like I'm just you know. So when you come the out fucking of basic, new guy. <laughs> when you're out of basic, you don't necessarily go with the same people you trained with. You're oh, no. with someone else. No, I didn't have any of the people I went to basic with. Just just me flying down to uh, El Paso. Good whole. Um, so I, El Paso. so I, I didn't have I didn't have a car, right? And they could not get me a barracks room because there was some like there was an issue with the fact that I was married. They like weren't allowed to give me a barracks room, but like I don't I don't have a car. I don't have an apartment, so they put me in these temporary trailers that are in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like Fort Fort Bliss is huge, 
right? And they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know where anything is on, on post. Like, I'm just trying to find my way around. Like, no internet in those things. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. And then, you know, everyone else up and leaves. They're, like, flying out as I show up there. So I spent a month, like, getting all of uh getting all of my gear getting going through all the pre-deployment like classes and everything that i needed to go through um and just like sitting there by myself in those fucking trailers <laughs> <laughs> until i could until they could ship me out and what was so the you said 144th um infantry? 141 141 yeah uh what were they doing during that time or you know or you just like show up here and everybody else shows up well, you know, they like they'd or? already gone through all the stuff they needed to go through. So I was I was you know in with the platoon for like maybe a week before they started flying out. But I hadn't gone through like all those. Pr- the, there's a lot of like like you know check the box type of training. Like hey, we need to see that you've done this. You know you know how to get out of a vehicle if it rolls over. You know how to you know find your way with a compass, which, you know, n- never gets used anyway. But um, there's a lot of those, like, check the box things, and I didn't have any of those. So they all flew out after, like, two weeks. It was two weeks of them just fucking with me because, you know, I was the new guy. Uh, and then, yeah, just uh, the last two weeks was me sitting there in those trailers <laughs> waiting to go to Afghanistan. Sure. And then once you flew out, of course, everybody's already been over there at that point for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Uh, what was it like trying to get settled in overseas? So where you've never been, and with guys that you didn't train with. Um, so like you I said, flew you, out, you're the new guy. <laughs> I flew out October third of 2011, and I had my combat badge by the 11th. So it took about four days uh, to get through Afghan to get to Afghanistan. We had to go through Manas Air Force Base. Uh, it's in Kyrgyzstan. That's like in processing for everyone um, going to Afghanistan. Uh, some more check the box training. Then we flew to Fabshank, which is uh, Logar Province, our RC East. So it's like maybe a couple hours south of Kabul on the eastern side of Afghanistan, right by the Pakistan border. Um, flew in there. A lot of this doesn't exist anymore. So. <laughs> Um, we've we've torn so much of it down, but I think I think Shank's still there. <laughs> when you landed, what kind of check the box training did you have? Uh, a lot of it's like, a lot of it's going through like medical classes. Like I said, rollovers are a big one uh, with vehicles getting hit with IEDs. Like making sure you know how to get out. Um, the unit that we replaced, I think like two days before I got there, had like three people burned to death in a vehicle because um, they they couldn't get out of it after it got hit by an RPG and they yeah shitty way to go and then so of course your your places that you know they've torn down now but i mean where'd you go so we we flew into fob shank which is like the the bigger fob stands for forward operating base um and that was like the bigger one for the area they had uh they had an airfield there um most of the uh like administrative facilities and so we flew in there. We were there for like maybe a day, and one of the uh, one of the sergeants that came in with me, because he was he was also brand new to the platoon, managed to uh, get us a ride on a convoy going to Fob Altimer, which is a smaller Fob um, south of Fob Shank. They had a special forces compound there, um, and it was that's that's where like most of our battalion was located. And he got us a ride down there, um, first time outside the wire, <laughs> in those vehicles. It was a little daunting. Nothing happened. <laughs> Um, so we, we got into Fob Baltimore, spent maybe a day there, and he's like, hey, uh, 
I got us uh, I got us a ride out to our joint security station that the rest of the platoon's at, and uh, that was probably the shittiest patrol of my life. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, good to get it out of the way early. Well, like so, some some background. Um, I was I was a saw gunner. Uh, saw as a machine gun, squad automatic weapon, weighs sixteen point four one pounds. Nice and lightweight, um, easy which to run you know with, yeah. doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're carrying it for long periods of time, it's it's pretty heavy. I got I, you know body armor's 30, 35 pounds roughly, uh, eight hundred rounds of ammunition, which comes in. I mean those those weigh roughly four pounds per hundred, so you're looking at you know 30, 32 pounds roughly of ammunition, and they told us to pack for thirty days. So I've got a ruck with about 70 pounds of shit in it, right? So I've got well over 100 pounds of gear on. Um, they couldn't get me a sling for my for my fucking machine gun, so I'm carrying it like this, right? So we, we okay, we took these vehicles in. For it's like, those it's like of you middle not of the watching night. on camera, uh, cross your arms. Uh, if you've ever picked up a big log and try yeah, to carry it in front like. of you carry, over your chest log. and you have your arms crossed in front of you, you know, however you want to describe it. Uh, not fun, uh, especially for anyone that follows the rules arena and you've seen my training uh, doing a uh, uh, Conan's wheel. Yeah, like especially, that, a little bit lighter, when, but uh, not nearly as long. Especially when the ground is mostly dust and it crumbles <laughs> really easily and you lose your footing. Yeah, we uh, we hitched a ride on this, uh, you know, on, on some vehicles out to uh, this observation post that some of our platoon was at. Um, they were just on top of this... Uh, we called it a mountain. It was really just like a really big hill. Probably it was probably a thousand feet um, from like the road to the peak of that. And we had like I think like twelve guys that were coming off of that. So we were going to meet up with them and then go back to the security station. So it's like one in the morning. We need night vision. Okay, I've already got I've got over a hundred pounds of shit. I have a machine gun with no sling because they were like, oh, your platoon will give you that when you get out there. <laughs> um, I got my night vision device, right? Which you've got you've got your nods, night optical device. Okay, it goes over one eye so you can keep both open. It kind of helps with depth perception because night vision really fucks with your depth perception if you're not used to it, especially walking with it. Um, and then it's got uh, it's got a couple other appendages that will attach to your helmet. Um, and I didn't have one of those. <laughs> Because they also couldn't give me that. They're like, oh, your platoon will give that to you. So here I am trying to keep up with them. They're carrying much less weight because they've just been on an observation post. So they they just packed, you know, like backpacks for a couple days. Um, they've got much less weight. They have slings for their weapons. And they have uh, and they have the proper, you know, appendages for their night vision. So they're all moving pretty quick. They've also been there for two weeks. They're better acclimated. Our uh, area was at about 6,000 feet elevation. Um, and I'm walking, like I said, machine gun, no sling. I, I'm carrying it with one arm, like crail across my chest. And in the other hand, I'm holding my night vision in front of my face. <laughs> and I'm just trying to fucking keep up with them. And they're just like periodically turning around and screaming at me. Like my rug keeps coming loose and like almost falling off of me. Like, and we ended up walking probably a good five kilometers, but it felt like a lot longer than that. <laughs> like I said, that was probably the shittiest patrol that I did. Cause like I didn't have the proper gear. I was carrying a fuck ton of weight. Um, everything was downhill after that. <laughs> <laughs> so you finish up your first patrol and you make it back to your forward fob. So I was, uh, it was a JSS joint security fob. station. Um, it's just, we basically had this compound, um, that we were, had rented out in, indefinitely <laughs> from the Afghanis. It was probably, 
maybe 50 meters on each side. It was pretty small. Um, it was just four walls, and then we'd like filled it in with bunkers, um, built up dirt on each of the corners so we could put guard towers up there. Uh, and it was just us, maybe you know, 25 of us, and a handful of Afghanis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real high tech. Yeah, uh, we got in probably two, three in the morning, and uh, woke up at about six to go on my first real patrol. And what were you doing on that patrol? Just the like most most uh, most patrols you do in Afghanistan, it's like the platoon leader wants to go talk to some locals, figure out what's going on, um, you know, figure out what's going on with the Taliban, what are the problems that they're having. They they used to call this counterinsurgency. The army's kind of done away with it um, as we're you know leaving the area quote unquote not that we'll actually ever be out of there but um we were working on counterinsurgency at the time so they're like trying to win hearts and minds like figure out what's going on my job as a private is just to fucking sit there and pull security on whatever sector i've been given with my machine gun for several hours until they're like okay we're going back so that that first patrol was pretty uneventful um I got screamed at a couple times by the other saw gunner in our squad for looking at the ground too much, but like they had a built into my head going there that we were gonna get like we were gonna have so many like dismounted IEDs, which are IEDs that are designed for like dismounted troops to step on and you know blow their fucking legs off. And like they'd filled it in our heads that our area was full of those. So I'm like fucking wigging out. I'm paranoid as shit, like looking around, like trying to see if I could spot these things before I step on them and <laughs> Like, he's like, pick your fucking head up. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, IED is improvised explosive device. Did I, did right. I screw that up? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We did have a couple of them uh, go off while we were there. But. I mean, how uh, were they easy to spot for you, you know, on patrol? I on never foot? spotted one. A um, couple went off like the week before I got there. And then uh, we ended up closing up out of there. And then the area we went to later in the deployment, um, I'll talk about later, like just wasn't a good area for them to use IEDs. It wasn't advantageous for them. So. How, I mean, how common were they, would you say, over your whole deployment? I mean, was it as, like, watching a TV show, watching a movie, it seems like that's every other character. Oh, yeah, my, care, it, my, my, my Humvee, my APC got hit by an IED. It really Is depends. That the case it really depends there? on where you're at. Um, they were pretty common in Iraq. Uh Afghanistan, like like I said, um, it's a lot more open, um, especially when you're when you're on foot. You have a lot more options of where you can go. You don't need to stick to the roads. So for them, like like they they don't have they don't have unlimited supplies. So they're like trying to figure out where the best area to put these in are. So if you've got an, an area that's wide open, it's like it's not worth their time putting these things in. Sure. Um, so we we had a couple. Um, I was on the security station for a few weeks, uh, and then they ended up closing it down, uh, and they put us on. Did they ever um, tell you why, or was it just, just uh, by the way, we're shutting this down? It, it, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, that that place uh, that place was a trip, though. So that the first patrol, nothing happened. Um, second one, we go out. Um, I, I don't. I, I hesitate to call him a sniper, but I guess he qualifies as one. Uh, it was probably a farmer. With uh, they like to use old like bolt action World War II weapons. He probably had a Lee Enfield, which is a British weapon. Um, started taking pot shots at us. Kept hitting next to the other saw gunner in my squad, and I just hear him over there like motherfucker, like he wants to get up and move. Um, this guy ended up stalking us for 
about eight hours that day. That was a hell of a second patrol. Like I got, I got up at one point. Uh, my team leader's like, like, we get the fuck over here. Um, got up and like right as I got to him, um, that fucker put one like three inches over my head. So I'm like half, half dive, half fall down into the. Uh, they're, they're called wadis. They're like irrigation ditches that we we use for movement a lot. Um, <laughs> fell into that, crawled up, and then just like, just unloaded everything that I had in his general direction. <laughs> Mainly because I was fucking terrified, but <laughs> the team leader's like, oh, good shit. I'm like, I don't even know where he is. I'm just, adrenaline's fucking pumping. Uh, yeah. Hey, it was, I guess with, uh, you know, snipers like that, with that kind of outdated technology, was that pretty typical over there? Or are you yeah, I mean, they don't have a whole lot of resources. They kind of make do with what they have. Um, they're pretty damn good at making do with what they have. So, yeah, you see a lot of, uh, well, they're allowed to have those. Um, at least, I mean, this was this was 2011, so a lot of this has changed. But at the time, they were allowed to have like one rifle in their homes. So, you know, if if they were if it was something that they already had, like they just use whatever's handy. Like the, they're not, you know, they don't have infinite supplies of weapons, ammo. Like they have to be smarter about it than we are. Right. And we just get trigger happy. Of course, and you, like you said, you just start returning fire because of it. You know whether instinct or fear. Yeah, uh, that first time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was that, uh, it, what was going through your head? I mean, that first shot, you said he flies over your head at That was unreal. Inches. That was unreal. I was like, um, I don't know, that kind of dawned on me, like, I'm going to fucking die here. Like, that motherfucker just tried to kill me. <laughs> like, that was, uh, I mean... You'll, you'll see a lot in uh, the military, especially in, like, combat arms, infantry, cavalry, um, maybe tankers. I guess they kind of count. Um, they try to act, like, all tough and, tough and shit, but uh, honestly, it's terrifying the, the first couple times you get shot at. Yeah, of course. I mean, with uh, Facebook today, you see a lot of bigger companies out there now, uh, albeit uh, Black Rifle Coffee or Grunt Style and stuff like that. You, they kind of seem to make fun of the military mentality. Um, but, I mean, you, you get shot at that first time. Like you said, that was your moment of, oh, shit, this is actually yeah. happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you build on that? You know, like, okay, I can do this? Or did it ever it, get easier, I guess, is the question I'm trying to It kind of ended up becoming, like, basic training where there was, like, this this hump to get over. Um and I think part of it, which it, you've seen Band of Brothers, yeah. right? There's a part in there where Captain Spears is talking to um, Private Blythe is yep. his name because um, he's like cowering in a foxhole and Spears is like, uh, once you accept the fact that you're already dead, you'll be a better soldier for it. And I think that's kind of what we ended up doing, not consciously. Um, I did a lot of soul searching when I got back and I think that's kind of uh, the reason I was able to function um, as, as well as I did uh, was just because like I think subconsciously I just accepted the fact that I was going to fucking die over there so you finish that first patrol you get shot at and turn fire you know how the rest of the patrol end up for <laughs> it, you? It, was, was it just downhill from there or it was it just... 8 hours of him following us around taking pot shots at us and, <laughs> and nothing you could really do we never found him we killed the donkey <laughs> we we had like this I think it was actually the same the same uh, brief firefight that he uh, tried to take my head off um, 
we're firing into this like grove of trees where my team leader was like like fucking <laughs> I can see him in there kill that motherfucker so we're, we're shooting and our platoon leader who was uh, was a piece of work <laughs> was like uh, ceasefire ceasefire my, my team leader who was bipolar great great fucking dude but he, he was bipolar <laughs> it's like no I can see that motherfucker grabs our uh, our um, marksman which he just had like a, like an old M14 that was uh, modified with like a 12 time scope um, supposed to be you know more of a marksman weapon it was kind of a piece of shit but <laughs> he's like he grabs him and he's like as soon as you see as soon as you see that motherfucker I want you to kill him like so like 10 seconds goes by and he's like you got anything <laughs> he goes Saren uh, that's not a guy <laughs> it's like what I'm like yeah it's a it's a donkey and uh, it looks like it's in a lot of pain <laughs> I'd fired about a hundred rounds into this this uh, group of trees. Our uh, our two two o three gunner, the grenade launcher, had probably put two or three <laughs> rounds in there. So I don't even know how this fucking thing was alive. Like, but <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we never found that guy. But that's you know that's kind of par for the course over there. It's like it's like you're fighting the mountains. You know, um, it's kind of like in Vietnam when they talk about like you you'd never never see the Viet Cong. You're just fighting the jungle that's what it felt like in afghanistan is like you'd you'd rarely ever see them like they they knew all the places they could they could be they could shoot at you from where you wouldn't even be able to see them and it just it felt like you were fighting the environment and when you got back from that you know that little second bad patrol um i mean what was it like going back to base after that i was mean it, it really know, did like you have any time off or going, did they going, go oh, no. well, go right back out no i mean that's like like it have it's happened so frequently over there. Like you, you don't you don't get time off. Um, we were on a rotation where like we'd go on patrol for a couple of days, then we pull guard duty for a couple of days. So, um, I know a couple <laughs> a couple of days later we were sitting around pulling cards or playing cards, and one of our uh, one of the other privates was cleaning his weapon. Like he had everything taken apart, and RPG goes over, goes over the wall. Um, hits like like right in the middle of the security station like i fucking went in one of the trucks because those things are, are you know those things are up armored like, <laughs> i trust this more than the sandbag bunkers um they drop like two more of those come to find out when he stood up all the, the little pieces from his weapon went flying <laughs> so he lost like two of them he got he got demoted over that <laughs> yeah that was a that was an intense area like we're kind of out there by ourselves uh we're in this tiny ass little station surrounded by uh Pretty pretty hostile territory. How far would you say you were from the the main fob? Oh, helicopter flight only a couple minutes. Um, it's probably why they didn't fuck with us any more than they already did. It's just because we could get Apaches yeah. on station within like five minutes. So, not that they always showed up. And your whole tour over there was it just at that place, or did they? Move no, around? they they shut that down. Um, after like a month, we were there about a month. Uh, I spent some time on the observation post, which was uh, my favorite part of the deployment. It's like two weeks of being up on this mountain. Um, like all I did was pull radio, ra- uh, radio duty from usually 10 to 2 uh, a.m. and p.m. I had two shifts during the day, and I just sleep the rest of the day, except when we needed food and water. Uh, the idiots that we replaced had I, I don't remember if they'd thrown a rock at one of the helicopters they did something stupid and the helicopters wouldn't bring shit in 
to that basin to that observation <laughs> post anymore. So we had uh, we had like one of those big shipping connexes at the bottom of this across the road. And anytime we needed food and water, which was like once a day usually, we had to walk all the way down the mountain with empty rucksacks, <laughs> fill it up with with MREs, with water, with batteries for the radios, and then walk back up the mountain. <laughs> So, and because I, I could actually, I can carry a pack. I uh, got picked pretty much every day. Oh, so. well, um, how many, uh, how many pound or how high elevation? First off, would you say that? Would that be? was that was probably about uh, different eight, elevation. Eight hundred thousand feet. Uh, it was probably about. It'd take us a good twenty thirty minutes to go up it. Um, there were a couple parts that were pretty, uh, pretty harrowing. So, <laughs> I know when we were when we were coming down. Um, one of the other guys in my squad was trying to go around like a boulder and he started to fall backwards and he had to pull the releases on his ruck, um, drop his ruck off. Otherwise he would have gone over the side and he had a, uh, he had a portable rocket launcher. It's called a law light anti-armor weapon, um, stuck in the top of his ruck and that somehow popped out as it was tumbling down the mountain and couldn't find, couldn't find the fucking thing at night. We had to go back in the morning cause you're not going to leave a goddamn rocket launcher lying on the mountain, <laughs> but it was a, it was a pretty harrowing Heroin climb. Um, I mean, that was like it was the most enjoyable part, just because we were away from like all the higher ups. Uh, didn't shave the entire time we were up there. <laughs> I don't think I brushed my teeth the entire time I was up there. <laughs> and how many weeks were you up there? Did you say like two and a half? <laughs> sure, your wife is enjoying that part. Yeah. Yeah, and then once you got off of that, I mean, where did they send you from there? Uh, so we went back to the security station after that for a couple weeks. They ended up shutting that down. Um, we went back to Fob Altimer. Um, we sat there for like two weeks, just kind of in limbo. Like they couldn't figure out what to do with us. Um, did some uh, route clearance patrols. That's uh, the couple times that I've been in IED blasts was on those route clearance patrols. Um, and that like in the movies, it always looks like like it's always some like big dramatic event, but it was like literally the the truck in front of us blew up. We're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, get the guys out of it. Um, they were fine. The one was a little rattled. But, um, and then you sit there for like eight fucking hours <laughs> waiting for the engineers to come out and collect the pieces because they don't want to leave the vehicle. So it's really more boring than anything <laughs> being in one of those. I mean, I suppose it's different if you're in the actual vehicle that's getting hit. But I was lucky enough to, it was the vehicle in front of me the one time and the, it went off between us and the vehicle behind us the other time. <laughs> So I got, I got pretty lucky with that. Um, and then we, we did that uh, for a couple weeks, and then they told us, hey, 4th um, Platoon's getting really fucked up down in their area. Uh, it was called Cop Kerwar. So that place is shut down now, so I can talk about that. <laughs> um, like, hey, we need you to go out there for a couple weeks and uh, relieve them or just, like, just, you know, help them out, um, kind of help get some control of the area. Um, just for a couple weeks, and then we'll have you back. This is end of November. So we fly out. We don't bring a lot of our heavier cold weather stuff because we're like, oh, well, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, we were we were there until mid-July. <laughs> never left. <laughs> and, and that place uh, that place was something else. <laughs> what was it like being so, there for that whole time? So Kerwar sits probably a solid 2,000 feet higher than the rest of the area. Um, it's surrounded by mountains. It's kind of a valley up in the mountains. There's only one pass in, and it was lined with IEDs, so we only got convoys, I think, twice the entire time I was there, and both of them got blown up at several points. Um, 
helicopters stopped coming in after a while because they'd always get RPGs shot at them. So uh, they'd always they'd have to come in at night. Um, yeah, <laughs> that place was intense. Our our flight out there, um, we started doing like figure eights over the landing zone. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, oh, they're just they're shooting RPGs at us. So we're gonna do this for a while until they stop, and then we'll land. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and you know, being in being in it. You don't see the RPGs. No, you don't hear it. Like no, nope. I can just feel the helicopter turning. Like they they uh, they didn't tell us, and uh, like we've been doing it for like a solid half hour. Pilots don't pipe into the comm system. No, it's probably uh, better they don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm asking questions, you know, from me yeah. being a civilian my whole life. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, you know, of course you see uh, Black Hawk Black Hawk Down, which was a true event that was again i would say hollywood wise i guess if, for lack yeah. of better words you know you, they zoom out and you see the the rpg flying towards it and of course you can hear the sound of it and all the all the soldiers inside the helicopter uh react like oh god they all know what's going on so I, but it's not like that you know it, in, it, i mean i i suppose it depends too if you're in, in a, like a closer Environment with uh, buildings and like if you had, well, we we were in a Chinook, um, which is the bigger double rotor one, uh, a little bit harder to see out of those. I suppose if you're in a Blackhawk, um, be a little little easier to see. But yeah, I mean, they don't they're not as uh, they're not as easy to spot <laughs> in midair as it as it looks like um, in the movies. I mean, you can see like the the trail for them from them for a brief amount of time, uh, and you can certainly hear them if they're close enough, but. The helicopters are so fucking loud that you're not going to hear anything <laughs> over that. And once you did finally land and everything, you know, how long were you there and what was it like? Um, so we, we were there late November through mid-July. Um, went on our first patrol there December December 2nd. Um, supposed to be a routine patrol just to the uh, village. It's called the Argyll. Uh, it's a village like just to the east, like may- maybe a two, three hundred meter walk. Um, across the open open field to this village and we get <laughs> we get set up there and there's probably 10 of us that are with our platoon sergeant and our, our platoon sergeant was um, for lack of a better word incompetent um, he'd been deployed once in his 19 year career um, to, to Bosnia <laughs> never never been to Iraq or Afghanistan he'd always managed to get out of it um, and he just really didn't know what he was doing and so he said he's gets a setup um and he's got me he's got me facing north towards this area we call the russian hills because they had a bunch of like old russian fighting positions from the 80s and i have like no cover from the from the east and i'm like sorry like i'm, I'm really exposed here like I, I feel like i should move like the the uh, command outpost has pretty good, uh, like two of the guard towers have pretty good eyes on these hills. I don't feel like, you know, this is a good area to be pulling uh, security on. Like, I'm really exposed here. And he's like, no, you're fine. <laughs> Sorry. He's like, no, you're fine. You got you got cover from the front. Like, you, you'll be fine here. And I'm like, that doesn't fucking help me if I get shot at from the east. So about 10 minutes later, uh, when we get shot at from, sure enough, the east, this um, giant fucking hill about 400 meters away from us, um, I get up and move immediately. Like I sprint over about um, 10 meters to my right um, where we got a couple guys set up, um, get down next to them. I look back at the spot that I've just been sitting in and it takes a burst of uh, RPK fire, which is one of the old, the Russian machine guns they use. 
Like if I'd if I'd actually listened and stayed where I was supposed to be, I'd be fu- I'd be fucking dead right now. Uh, that was that was a pretty intense uh, first patrol down in Kerwar. <laughs> the guy next to me kept trying to get up because our, our platoon sergeants over there yelling like like get up, return fire, and I kept dragging him down. I'm like mother motherfucker, this is the definition of pin down. Like we got rounds hitting in front of us, kicking dust in our face, going over our heads, going left, right. Like if if you stand up, you're dying. <laughs> Look over at him. He's like a foot away from his weapon in the fetal position. Our platoon sergeant is. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> like that was uh, that was pretty intense. That was uh, you know, wh- welcome to Kerwar, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and for the rest of your time there, I mean, what were you doing? So we did rotations, like three days, three days of guard, um, three days of uh, patrols. And our, our platoon sergeant, well, our, so our initial platoon leader had been fired at this point, uh, the one who was kind of worthless. Um, his idea of a mission brief was saying a prayer before we'd go out like that, you know, helped us <laughs> at all. <laughs> so he'd, uh, he'd, you know, gotten himself fired. And um, we had a new platoon leader. Uh, it was actually the, the lieutenant for the other platoon was like, took duty, like the duties of both. Um, and his mentality was like, we need to maintain like this really good um, relationship with the villages around us because it kind of gives us like this security bubble of you know we're we're not going to be getting shot at from those areas. So we'd we'd do three days of patrol. We'd do one to the village to the east, one to the uh, village to the west, and then we'd do a long patrol to one of the outer villages. And uh, we we did that for probably a couple months. Um, once the once snow comes, um, it gets really boring because the the tailband's a lot smarter than us. They don't walk they don't walk around outside once it gets cold and there's snow on the ground. They're just like you know fuck it. We'll wait for the snow to melt. Would you say um, that's because of the snow on the ground? And you can track their footprints, or is it because it's just it's cold out and like no, it's because it's cold out and like they're they're just as lazy as we are. <laughs> they just don't have you know idiot higher ups that are like hey we need to keep we need to keep going. <laughs> So, and when you're patrolling between those two vill- those three villages, I mean, did you see kind of a, a, a I want to say friendship? Uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, gratefulness or not really? That, you you know, just kind of like, tolerated just, us. Like, you're, like, well, you're here, so so be it. Like, like they don't really give a shit. You know, like they. Ninety-nine percent of them are, are are good people who are just trying to live their lives, and this is a remote, like, this is a really a very remote valley. Like I said there's one way into these mountains. Um, it's all farmers living in in uh, dirt, mud huts. Um, you know what what happens like outside of that politically doesn't really affect them, so they just kind of tolerate our presence. Like they really don't give a shit one way or another who wins, and I I can't blame them <laughs> to be honest. Like. Especially like when we talk about winning hearts and minds, like they, uh, so say like they bring a problem to the outpost and they're like, hey, um, this farmer, like this neighbor of mine, stole my cow, which is something that happens pretty frequently. You know, cow will wander off and the next guy over is like, hey, this is mine now. Um, so he brings this to us. It's like, hey, this is what happened. We're like, okay, cool. Here's like eight forms for you to fill out. Um, once you're done, we're going to send these back to our base. Uh, and then once they're done with it, they'll send it back and then we'll let you know what we decide. And like a month goes by, nothing happens. He comes back. We're like, oh shit, you know, those got lost. So let's do it again. 
right? He sees no progress. This is this is common <laughs> in the army. Um, he goes to the Taliban, and they go over to the next guy, you know, point a gun at him, say, give him his fucking cow back, and he's got his cow back. Like, who, who's really winning hearts and minds here? <laughs> right. So. And you said you're there through July. I mean, was yeah, we stayed much... through about mid mid July of 2012 before we flew out. And you know, the rest of it was it just pretty much patrolling between the, that valley, or did you? Did they ever switch things up while you were there? New, new orders, if you will. Yeah, uh, we had a pretty, <laughs> we had a pretty big change uh, in January of 2012. So um, January 9th. We went to this. Uh, we went to this area called Manny Bazaar, right, which is like several kilometers away. Um, it was a trek getting out there. It was one of the coldest fucking days of my life, like well below zero. Uh, it's the other thing they don't show you is that, like, it's not all desert and scorching sun. Yeah. Like yeah, it gets hot in the summer. And that but was my was, biggest thing. There was more snow there than there was here that year. There was like there were times there were two two and a half feet of snow. Like I'm waist deep in snow. Like what the fuck am I doing out here um, so we're like we walk all the way out there we leave at like you know we leave at like 2 in the morning so we can we're moving at night we can be there before the sun gets up um, set in like you, you don't want to wear any of your like really heavy, uh, heavy cold weather stuff um, while you're moving because you're just going to sweat through it so you have to change into that once you get out there and it's, it's fucking freezing out so I'm like I need, I'm trying to change into my wool socks and it's like gloves are off you know, quick get the boot off change the sock out and by the time I get the boot back on my hands are frozen got to put them back in the gloves sit there for like half an hour let them warm up and then change the other sock <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, that was a long day lots of uh, lots of getting shot at <laughs> there was a there was a time it was like myself my team leader my squad leader were standing there talking like around goes like probably 30 feet over us and we're like yeah it wasn't close fuck it and then like 10 seconds later another one goes like 10 feet over us and like all three of us just drop and we're like start laughing like that one was fucking close <laughs> should probably stop standing here like a dumbass um and like that was that was a long long fucking day um and that was the last day that we got shot at for like a good two and a half months until the snow melted um but like two days after that yeah it was january january 11th 2012 um my best friend platoon got killed so and like like I said, they stopped shooting at us. This uh, this happened on, on base. Um, it's like we went out for our patrol for the day. Um, just a you know routine fucking patrol. Didn't like I said, didn't get shot at that day. Um, cold as shit out again. We're just happy to get back. Um, was hanging out with him most of the day. Like he was he was teaching me how to box actually, which <laughs> uh, he was really fucking good at boxing. Like this. This dude, when he got out, probably uh, probably could have done MMA, at least like amateur level, with like how good he was at boxing, at wrestling. So like he just he just whoops my ass boxing, just kicks the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, and he's like, hey, let's wrestle. And I'm like, well, I really don't want to get the shit kicked out of me again. Um, so I spotted a cut on his arm, and I'm like, hey man, uh, you got some blood on your arm. We should uh, we should probably get that cleaned up. Um, like, you should go go down to the aid station, get that looked at. And I'm like, sweet, I just bought myself some time before I get my ass kicked. And that was the last time I saw him alive. So he went downstairs. Um, he was, like, waiting to get into the aid station. And the guy who was, like, on duty guarding the, guarding the door, like, in charge of uh, – he was in charge of basically, like, running guard, like, 
periodically going around to all the guard towers, making sure that they had what they needed, making sure they were all fucking awake. And I guess, uh, I guess my buddy pulled out one of the laws, the light anti-armor weapon, um, that was marked as a training law. It wasn't, wasn't supposed to be a live, uh, a live rocket launcher. Um, and he was like, just, you know, I don't, I don't know what he was doing with it. Um, he knew how to use it. I don't know if he was just like trying to familiarize himself with it because we didn't really have much training on those. They were pretty new at the time. And the guy in the desk is like, no, like, uh, you're holding it wrong. Let me show you. So he takes it and like, there's, there's a lot of things you need to do to put this fucking thing into operation, right? First you have to extend it cause it's compact. Right? It's like it's just a, uh, a small tube, and you basically have to extend it like a kaleidoscope. So you got to pull that out. That's the first thing you got to do. Then you have to depress the safety. There's like a, a trigger on it that you need to hold down, and while, while that it's not being held down, the weapon won't fire, and then you actually have to press the button. So he, for some fucking reason, puts his hand on the trigger, and he's like, here, this is how, this is how you're supposed to, you know, this is how you're supposed to hold it. Puts it on his shoulder while pointing it like, this far away directly at his chest puts puts that shit on his shoulder and as he puts it on his shoulder it hits the firing button and this this was a live rocket launcher so that goes off um he shoots he shoots uh my buddy neil neil was his name he shoots neil directly in the chest uh, from like three feet away whole building shakes like we thought it was a fucking ied like i'm sitting there on my computer like throwing my shit on like what the fuck just happened and I go to go out the door and my team leader's standing there and he's got his arms across the door and I'm like dude let me through he's like no go back and sit down I'm like let me through and he's like go sit down I'm like was it Turner he just he stares at me and I'm like was it fucking Turner he just stares at me and it's like I just I just knew uh yeah, that was probably the, one of the probably the shittiest day of my life. Um, we uh, we kind of sat there for a while, waiting, you know, see what was fucking happening. Like we've got people screaming downstairs. He wouldn't let me out of the room. Um, we had one guy come up who was down there when it happened. He was just like he's just fucking covered in blood, um, head to toe. He's fucking shaking. Uh, I managed to get past him, like as they're taking him out to the stretcher, or as they're taking him out on a stretcher to the helicopter. Um, and he's fucking laying on the stretcher, one hand like above his head, strapped in. He's got you know shit over his chest because it hit him directly in the chest. And like I lock, I, I like eye contact with him, and there's just there's just nothing there. Like he was still technically alive at the time. Like I followed followed them out to the helicopter, put him on, and like and then we just we just sat there and waited for for hours to you know hear what had happened. Um, really really shitty couple hours like the our, our whole platoon is just like crowded together sitting there waiting to find out what had happened and then our co like calls the whole company into our dining facility right it's just this tiny ass little building and he calls everyone in and we're all sitting there and um i don't know i think i knew just like looking at his face and he uh he starts a sentence off he's like as far as uh and he just stops <laughs> I'm like fuck. He goes as far as far as, uh, as far as Turner goes. Turner didn't make it, and I like last thing I remember is just my forehead hitting the fucking table in front of me. Um, or my, I remember my squad leader coming up because like my my buddy Cody who I had sitting next to me, um, the two of us were like best fucking friends with Neil, and 
I just remember him coming up and standing there with us for a while. He just like put her, put his hands around her shoulders and we just fucking sat there for like an hour probably. Um, and that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the, probably the shittiest fucking day of my life. And that was, I think probably about the time I stopped giving a shit Afghanistan, which probably, probably made me a better soldier because I didn't really care anymore <laughs> as far as like, I got, a, I got a little bit more reckless, um, a little bit more trigger happy. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Casey wasn't cutting onions over there. <laughs> um, you know, from there, I mean, what was it like moving on? We got like, we got like one. He gave they gave our squad one day off, uh, just to kind of lay around and do fucking nothing, uh, and then we continued on it's nothing else you can do so and what what month did you say that was in sorry it's january 11th 2012 and you're still stuck there all the way through mid-july july we had a couple people that uh use that event to weasel out of deployment and go home and they're pieces of shit for it <laughs> but uh the majority of us yeah just carried on and did they have you doing anything else different aside from? No, day in, I mean day our, out our leadership. Our leadership got relieved over that naturally. Um, so we got a change of leadership, uh, probably for the worse. We got a, a tanker in charge of a company of light infantry, which light light infantry means we don't have vehicles. We well we we have Humvees, um, Max Pros, which are like think of it like a taller Humvee kind of that are supposed to be better for handling IEDs. They're, they're not, but you know, that was the idea behind them. Uh, but we don't have like, we don't have like tanks. We don't have Bradley's. We don't have any of like the heavy stuff. And where we were at, we couldn't use the vehicles anyway because it was so like the terrain was so rough and the ground was so, um, so prone to crumbling that every time we took vehicles, we'd have like two or three of them flip. So we just stopped taking them all together. So we get a, we get a tanker in charge of our company. It's no fucking idea what he's doing, and a uh, a mortarman for a, for a first sergeant. And yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Like he had us every time we get shot at, he'd be like, "Hey, I want you to go find out what happened out there." And the Taliban knows that. Like they they watch everything that we do. So he's like. He's like, hey, go uh, go see what happened out there. So they they would just start fucking with us. Like they'd you know fire a pop shot just to get us outside the wire and just you know just to wear us out because we were doing this two three times a day. And eventually, like, because we kept telling him, we're like, dude, they're gonna set a trap for us, and we're gonna come over the hill, and the Dishka, which is a Russian 50 cal essentially, is gonna be waiting for us, and we're gonna get you know someone's going to die. <laughs> and sure enough. We uh, were like leaving out on patrol. We're probably about halfway to where he wanted us to be, and they call us back in, like, like cut it, like emergency, like get get the fuck back here. And yeah, come to find out, they they intercepted because we we could listen to a lot of their radio traffic. They intercepted uh, a communication from them. They're like, hey, they're outside the wire. They're headed up. They're headed up the wadi. Get the dishka ready. <laughs> and that's when every non-commissioned officer, every you know sergeant, staff sergeant. Um, in our company told him uh, that they weren't going on patrol until he changed his policies, <laughs> which they got fucking screamed at for it, but it worked. <laughs> um, did that 
did your first sergeant and you know upper command ever get relieved after that? No, once brass probably probably out? should have, but <laughs> they never they went out with us. Only I mean, our first sergeant left the wire once to walk out, shake some hands, come back in, uh, and our our CO only went with us a couple times, and uh, he didn't have a great experience doing it. <laughs> He went with us on one patrol. He wanted to tag along with my squad, and I was always on point. Um, my team leader was always on point, and as the saw gunner, I'm sacking it because saw gunner and team leader need to be like right next to each other because he essentially directs the uh, machine gun's fire during during contact. So I'm always second. Like I'm used to being in the front. I'm used to moving fast, and my my uh, team leader's like, "Hey, you mind uh, you mind if we pick up the pace today?" I'm like, "Yeah, fuck it, I don't care." I'm carrying 110 pounds of shit. I'm <laughs> fuck it, whatever. <laughs> and so we, uh, we, uh, yeah, we moved pretty fucking quick that day. We, we had the uh, the CO with us, and he kept uh, he kept falling back. We kept having to wait for him. And then when we finally got set up, where we were supposed to be, his uh, his radio guy, who was he was a little fucking cocksucker, always following him around, like, oh, sir, you need anything? Like he just like that's that's how he got promoted. <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> He's fucking sitting there like, sir, you don't look so good. Sir, are you okay? And all of a sudden the captain turns around and just pukes everywhere, like right next to me and my buddy. And we're looking at each other like, yeah. <laughs> Not so much fun now, is it? <laughs> Welcome to the real world kind of yeah. situation. Like this is what you make us do every day. <laughs> you know, did did they, I, I don't suppose lighten up is the right word, but. You know, come to have that. Yeah, after that, they uh, kind of realized that their policies were stupid and they didn't have us out for anything. I mean, at that point, we weren't even calling up. Like, I'd be on guard and I'd hear a pop shot and be like, nah, I'm not even going to tell them that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had one morning um, where I was sitting in like the northern tower. And I, I mean, I'll admit it, I was starting to fall asleep because it was five in the morning. And I'd been sitting there for three hours and. All of a sudden, I hear the the whistling. Like, like sounds kind of like a firework, like four feet over my head. A fucking RPG and you know, like blows up in the field, like a hundred meters to the right of me. You know, yep, I'm awake now. <laughs> You've got my attention. I'm like, I didn't even call that one up. I'm like, yeah, it was a pop shot with an RPG. <laughs> did, so. I mean, did they? Was there ever any full full full? blown attack on your fob or do they just kind of yeah i mean they never tried to overrun us just because we had we had a lot of um what's called dead space it was just like open fields um and we had uh some pretty fortified emplacements we had like four 450 cals three mark 19s just the automatic grenade launcher uh, a lot a lot of 240 bravos which is a little, little bit heavier machine gun than the saw um so they they would attack us a lot but they never like Full out, try to overrun us. That's more or less just kind of keep you busy, yeah. Kind of stuff. And I mean, how far into that, you know, mid July, you know, November to mid July deployment would you say you are at this point? Um, this was well, I went on rest and relaxation. I got like my, my two weeks to go home. Uh, I remember, March. Well, I remember March, Part of yeah, because I brought absinthe back. <laughs> yeah, and you got fucking <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Almost fell into the bonfire. <laughs> it was a good night, not for you. No, <laughs> it's a good night for me. Um, yeah, and then so I got back about mid-April, and like I got off the plane at Fob Shank, and there was a there was an Apache outside of the wire just going ape shit because um, something someone had fired an RPG at it, and you know it 
it got pissy and just you know dumped like everything it had and i'm like oh that's a great that's a great welcome home um so i got back right right in the middle of fighting season yeah and that was probably that would was probably like end of may when they uh changed their policies it was a solid like month and a half of uh going out two three times a day so we had some uh we had some real interesting patrols in there i kept ripping my pants it's a fun one when you're carrying that much weight and like <laughs> shitty army trousers like i had one it ripped from like started at the crotch and went like maybe two inches down and by the time we got back it ripped all the way to my ankle so it's just <laughs> flapping like it was, it was like 95 degrees out so i'm like yeah <laughs> i don't really care this feels nice <laughs> and, and mm. you know by interesting patrols i mean anything else you know happened to you or well happened to your unit rather i mean do they so, continue those pot shots i would say like else? probably the most intense intense firefight i've been in um was a april april 26th 2012 i remember because it was my sister's birthday and i'd like was meaning to call her that day and i didn't get a chance to um we had like half of our guys were out um uh, with a bunch of the afghanis um doing a routine patrol one of the afghanis got hit like an inch below his plates but blows body armor so he was he wasn't uh, conscious they they were, they were having to bring him on a stretcher so they're moving slow and and at the same time they attacked our 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 command outpost so like i'm like scrambling to get up on the roof um <laughs> packing it up a little bit when they first attack our outpost me and me and my buddy um scranton were getting food like we got up early because we heard it was french toast that day which is a hot commodity we got up early <laughs> We got like we're the first two in line for breakfast. We got French toast. I think I I'd managed to score like Fruit Loops or something, which are also a hot commodity because it was usually like fucking Cheerios. So I've got this badass looking breakfast. We both we've got the trays in our hand, and I hear the first pop shot, and like the cooks like both drop, and Scrant and I are standing there looking around like. Maybe that was the uh, maybe that's just the, the Afghani shooting. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're just you know they do that sometimes, and then we hear our guys start returning fire, and we both like. It was so sad. We both like drop our heads, like, oh, <laughs> put our good ass breakfast back. Like we're both sprinting to get back to like the main uh, building where all our, all of our shits at. Like, get all of our shit on, go up to the roof. Um, and we had a couple guys from a different company with us, right? Or a couple uh, platoons from a different company that like they hadn't gotten their combat badges because their area wasn't rough. So they wanted to come down and get their combat badges with us. And a couple of them are already up there. And the one like turns to me and he's like, "Hey, can I have some of your ammo? I forgot mine." Like, motherfucker, you have one job. <laughs> like, no, go back and get your own ammo. Like, we're up there, like, they, they'd attacked, like, 360 around our uh, around our outpost. So, and the roof was kind of, uh, was slanted. So there really was no good way to do it. We just kind of had to pick a spot and hope we didn't get shot in the back. Um, was up there for a couple hours. Like, <laughs> um, we had, like, four of us on, like, the 50 cal, the Mark 19, me with uh, at that point i had a mark 48 which is like a prototype saw that shoots um it shoots 762 which civilian civilian equivalents of 308 so typical round 556 five, is more like a 223 my weapon at this point shooting a 308 um which you know it's a heavier hitting round but it weighs twice as much so that's why my <laughs> why i was carrying 110 pounds around <laughs> with me um so i'm i'm shooting this we got another guy in a 240 and all four of us uh shot at like two guys on a hill at one point which was uh which was pretty funny <laughs> a little bit of overkill but we're uh 
we're up on the roof and they're like, hey, these guys are getting bogged down. We need to get out. Um, we're kicking a platoon out to go provide them some support because um, this guy, you know, this this Afghan guy is going to gonna bleed out here pretty soon. Um, lower gut's a really shitty spot to get hit. So we push out and we're like, we're probably like halfway to where we need to be. And it'd been kind of cloudy all day. And we look up and there's a fucking tornado probably about a mile, mile and a half north of us, like touching down on the ground. It's moving. There's some pretty wicked pictures of it. Um, I can send you later. We had a couple guys took from like, from the couple guys that were still on the roof took a picture of it. But that was, uh, <laughs> that was an intense day. Like eight hours of uh, shooting back and forth. We got a fucking tornado. Um, actually, like we couldn't get a helicopter in because of the tornado. The Afghan guy ended up, uh, ended up bleeding out because of it. But that was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely the most interesting day that I had <laughs> while I was over there. And then moving forward mid-July, did you come home from then or did you they they ship you off to a Yeah, it was base? um mid mid-July, uh 173rd Airborne came out to relieve us. We spent a couple of days like showing them the ropes. Um <laughs> my last my last patrol, um we ended up getting shot at quite a bit. My team leader used me as fucking bait, which was nice. Uh, he's like, hey, you go this way with these guys, and I'm going to go this way. And I start walking, I turn around, and all everyone's going with him, and it's just me by myself. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> I come around the corner, and sure enough, I get fucking shot at. It's like maybe five feet over my head, hitting the wall. So I'm like, yeah, it's not that close. Just like took an E. I'm like, I, don't, I really don't want to run at this point. This is my last goddamn patrol. And I can hear him yelling from like 200 meters away, and I'm just like, oh, motherfucker. Like sprint over there. One of the uh, one of the new sergeants who just got there with the new unit was like making fun of me. He's like, "Oh, it looks like this guy's sucking." Like, dude, I just sprinted 200 meters with 110 pounds on. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> He's a fucking tool. But so that's yeah. La- last patrol, we we moved back and we're like we're like 300 meters from the gate and I and I sprained my fucking ankle. Like I've gone the whole deployment without getting injured. I mean, I, I hit my knee pretty bad, but that that didn't really bother me. Like earlier in the deployment. Like, this is the first, like, real injury I've had. It's on my last fucking patrol. Spraying the shit out of my ankle. Like, it's like a four-month recovery. It's so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and did they send you, bring bring you back home from there? Or? Yeah. Um, we flew out back to Fob Shank that night. Spent a couple days there. Um, back through uh, Manas Air Force Base. And then uh, came back to El Paso. And what's so. it been like since then? Have you that they I well, I mean off air we've talked, you know, what they want yeah. you to do, but you know, as far as your military career has gone from your deployment, you know, what's it been like from there? Um, I spent I spent like three more years active. Uh went to Colorado for a while, ended up deploying to Kuwait, which I don't want to talk about because that was uh the most boring eight months <laughs> of my fucking life. Um got out and came back here. Um, I did reserves for a couple of years. I actually uh, just re-enlisted a couple of days ago to go over to the IRR, which is like the inactive reserve. It's what we have instead of a draft. Um, they can pull me back if they need me for something, but it uh, it it kind of keeps the door open if I want to go back without me actually having to do anything. <laughs> so, is there anything out there that I mean you'd like to leave parting with? You know. Uh, folks listening to this that maybe want to go in a military career or don't join the army (laughs) seriously air force they'll treat you a lot better i'm sure zach would say i'm sure zach would say otherwise but he he didn't have to go to camp you're in kuwait for eight months so he has no fucking idea (laughs) now um 
career-wise, uh, Air Force is a better option. Um, even Navy, because they'll they'll teach you more applicable skills. Like me as a an infantryman, like I learned a lot of like great leadership skills, but a lot of a lot of like the uh, you know things that I practiced and uh, other skills that I learned are not applicable to uh, civilian life. So, anything for folks like me who have not served or will ever have the chance to. Uh, they like to impart on us. I don't know. Uh, don't ever ask a veteran <laughs> if they've killed anyone. It's a bad, bad way to go. Like I, I've had a couple people ask me that. I don't, I don't really get touchy about it because I, I know that they don't know any better. But some, some people will bite your head off for that. So don't do that. <laughs> I'll, I have something about that off here. Um, other than that. Thank you, folks, for, like I said, listening to the very first episode of this podcast. I'm going to call Dear America. Um, uh, hopefully it goes well. I, I really, truly hope it does. Um, not having a back t- background in the military at all, other than what I've read out of a book or seen in a movie, I'm doing my best to try to shed a light on for folks like me that weren't there and try to give you an idea the, or the best picture that we can paint uh for you to see what it was truly like um uh like i mean hollywood does put those movies out there they put out the stories um but that's not what it's like for the everyday soldier um so again thank you and i will catch you next time